0: Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines, simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow, grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison, today is Monday, July 18th. Coming up, a roundup of what Kansas primary voters will be deciding soon, and how even races that don't appear to be close might be revealing.
1: It would not be surprising to see this be an unusually high turnout election for an August primary, especially an August primary where there isn't a serious primary challenger in what would be the highest race on the ballot, the governor's race.
0: We'll find out why that is in just a moment. But first, our weekly look at the latest in state government and politics in both Kansas and Missouri. Primary elections in both states will be August 2nd, two weeks from tomorrow. And in-person, advance voting on the Kansas side began over the weekend in Johnson County in nine locations, with seven more set to open next weekend. The county has increased the number of polling sites this year to accommodate the larger crowds it expects because of the proposed constitutional amendment on abortion rights. County Election Commissioner Fred Sherman says participation in advance voting has generally been on the increase advanced voting the same as voting election day all the ballots count the same you know obviously uh, it gives a, a greater opportunity in terms of availability voters can go to any polling place to cast their ballot early but on election day we'll have to stick to their designated precinct early voting will open in wyandotte county this coming saturday july 23rd meanwhile kansas residents are telling state authorities they want more involvement in public schools As Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports, that feedback is from a statewide listening tour.
1: Kansas education officials went on a 50-city tour of the state last year to ask people what they want from public schools. Education Commissioner Randy Watson says the feedback echoed what they heard in 2015. Teachers, parents, and business leaders said qualities like creativity and problem-solving are more crucial to success in the real world than simply academic skills. Watson says families also want schools to reach out more often than just during parent-teacher conferences. What Kansans are begging us to do is engage at a deeper level with parents. And they want the community involved back in their schools.
0: The State Board of Education plans to use the feedback to guide policy decisions. Witness testimony in an ongoing child custody case involving one of the leading candidates for the U.S. Senate in Missouri will no longer be public. On Friday, attorneys for both Eric Greitens and Sheena Greitens agreed to use depositions set for this Wednesday rather than a hearing in open court. Sheena Greitens is seeking to move that custody case from Missouri to Texas, where she now lives. Her attorney says she will question the former governor under oath. And though he eventually agreed to the deposition, Gary Stamper, Eric Greitens' attorney, questioned the need for one as opposed to simply having both parties submit sworn statements i sincerely question the scope of the inquiry since there are no rules of evidence in a deposition the court appointed guardian for the greitons children in the case said it would be in the best interest of the kids if the testimony was not public in march sheena greitons accused her ex-husband of both spousal and child abuse including hitting her and taking her phone wallet and keys in an argument he has denied the allegations and with that primary election greitons finds himself neck and neck and Neck in the race for the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate in Missouri. The latest poll in the race has him in a statistical dead heat with Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, and nearly 17 percent of voters still undecided. The race for the Democratic nomination, which seems to be coming down to a head-to-head battle between antitrust attorney and former Marine Lucas Kuntz and nurse and philanthropist Trudy Bush Valentine, is also seen as too close to call. Unlike in Missouri, there isn't a lot of mystery about who the nominees will be for the top race on the Kansas side. Democratic Governor Laura Kelly will certainly be renominated by her party, and State Attorney General Derek Schmidt will likely get the Republican nod for governor. That ballot, of course, includes a variety of other statewide and local races. I checked in with Katie Bernard, who covers Kansas politics for the Kansas City Star, and I asked her whether even in a year with less heated primary contests, we're still getting a sense of what's on the mind of Kansas voters.
1: Absolutely. Um, One of the big open questions that will be cited related to the governor's race during the August vote is abortion. The outcome of the August 2nd amendment on um, the constitutional rights for abortion in Kansas will determine how much abortion plays into the gubernatorial race heading into November. If the amendment passes, we're likely to see Governor Kelly making the argument that she is the only thing standing between Kansas and further restrictions up to a full ban on abortion um whereas attorney general derek schmidt will begin to need to very seriously answer questions about what he would and wouldn't sign additionally we're already seeing some heavy conversation around the economy um Derek Schmidt and his allies are pushing Kelly really hard on this effort to tie her to President Biden, tie her to inflation. Well, Kelly is answering with projects like Panasonic and these economic development efforts in Kansas that while they don't have an immediate tangible impact on the Kansas economy are, you know, said to likely improve the health of Kansas economy in years to come.
0: So let's talk a little more about Derek Schmidt and specifically the race to succeed him as attorney general. It's getting some attention because of one of the candidates, Chris Kobach, the former Kansas Secretary of State, who, of course, lost the gubernatorial election to Kelly back in 2018. What's the state of that attorney general race?
1: Yeah. So there hasn't been a ton of public polling on that race. A lot of the polling that I've seen has been polling promoted by the Kobach campaign and Kobach allies um which means that you know well it's interesting data to look at it we shouldn't take take it as fact but it's a race between Kobach uh Senator Kelly Warren, and then Tony Battivi, who is a former federal prosecutor. And the, what the polling we have seen shows Kobach with a commanding lead. Kobach obviously has the most name recognition in the race, and he has essentially made this gamble that while he wasn't able to become governor, he wasn't able to get the higher profile office of Senate, that something a little bit lower profile attorney general could catapult him back into a statewide office, catapult him back into elected office. And if that's the case, he has promised to take on similar levels of activism that we've seen from Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt and from the Texas Attorney General. Rather than just signing on to these lawsuits against the federal administration, Kobach intends to be leading them. And that will be where a lot of the resources and focus of of the AG's office goes with him in office.
0: Not so different from the last time around.
1: Correct. Yeah. Um, With with the main difference being that Derek Schmidt signed on to these lawsuits. He didn't lead them. Um, But he we'd see some similar similar points to how he acted as secretary of state. One of his big campaign points is prosecuting election fraud as attorney general, which was also, as we all remember, one of his big priorities as secretary of state.
0: Another Republican statewide primary that may prove revealing is the challenge this time to the incumbent secretary of state, Scott Schwab, who's being challenged by former Johnson County Commissioner Mike Brown. What's going on with that race?
1: Yeah. um, So this is an interesting race that speaks to the position that Republican secretary of states that don't believe election fraud is a serious problem are facing nationwide. Scott Schwab has, you know, run on being a competent uh, secretary of state. He has focused on the fact that Kansas didn't have serious um, or widespread election fraud while he was in office. And that, you know, in fact, ranked really highly in conservative rankings of election integrity. But Mike Brown, this former Johnson County commissioner is coming at him from the right, claiming he hasn't done enough and hitting him for comments he made that gained him a lot of praise back in the 2020 election that mail elections are safe, that there is no evidence of fraud, and really rejecting um, some of those arguments. It's those comments that he's made, objecting to President Trump's arguments of election fraud that is getting him this challenge from the right, It'll be interesting to see how Mike Brown does in the last campaign finance reports that we got. In January, Brown was largely self-funded, but he was a very new candidate at this point. So it'll it'll be interesting to see whether his campaign turned out to be mostly symbolic or if he was able to, in the last seven months, really build support throughout the state.
0: Seems like it might tell us something about the continuing power of uh, of the Trump Republican in Kansas, whether that still is uh, as much of a force to be reckoned with as it as it once was.
1: It absolutely will. And it will also tell us how much Kansans and Kansas Republicans are buying the argument that elections aren't secure and that the 2020 election was stolen.
0: Which might then have an impact on on what the legislature does down the road as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Scott Schwab was really a key force in blocking legislative efforts this year to put serious limits on ballot boxes and mail-in voting. Uh, these are measures that Mike Brown has said he would be in favor of, and there are lawmakers um, that may be opposed to those efforts this year, that if they see that a large portion of the electorate is on board and that there is now secretary of state that wants it as well, would happily push those measures through.
0: Well, speaking of the legislature, I, I know that uh, the primary races are sometimes a little challenging to draw too many conclusions from, but as we go a bit further down the ballot, are there any other races that you're watching, anything at the legislative level you think we should be paying attention to?
1: Yeah, I think really the interesting area at the legislative level is going to be the races in Wyandotte County. In We have several open seats this year, which has been rare. Multiple longtime incumbents, Cassie Wolfmore included, Burroughs included, chose not to run for re-election. So there are three open seats in Wyandotte County. And then there is also Representative Aaron Coleman's seat. He came into office already notorious. He has been accused of domestic violence. Um, In his time in office, he has twice been the subject of legislative investigations as his fellow Democrats sought to have him kicked out of office. And now he has not one but two challengers, so it'll be very interesting to watch this primary to see whether either of those challengers prevails or if Coleman has retained enough support in his district that um, those two individuals split the vote and Coleman retains that nomination.
0: Katie, all of these elections are playing out against the backdrop of another vote that's taking place at the same time. And and we've covered the August 2nd constitutional amendment that would remove protections of abortion rights from the Kansas state constitution. Uh, I, I'm wondering what impact you think that ballot measure is going to have on these elections that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, especially when we're talking about Republican primaries, mostly because there's very few Democratic primaries, except, except when we get into the legislative level this will have a massive impact on turnout um it would not be surprising to see this be an unusually high turnout election for an august primary especially an august primary where there isn't a serious primary challenger in what would be the highest race on the ballot the governor's race and so it will be interesting to see Whether, you know, on the Republican side, if a lot of anti-abortion voters come out to vote, does that skew them towards Kelly Warren because she helped get this amendment on the ballot? Or does this skew them towards Chris Kobach because he has pledged to be the most anti-abortion attorney general in Kansas state history? It will it will yield a on the Republican side, a push for candidates that are maybe more anti-abortion to win those primaries in the few primaries that there are.
0: Katie Bernard covers Kansas government and politics for the Kansas City Star. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more coverage of Kansas and Missouri politics, including our primary election coverage, visit kcur.org or, of course, listen to Kansas City's NPR station, KCUR 89.3. Tomorrow on the podcast, my conversation with Republican U.S. Senate candidate Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler of Missouri. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Prior to 1928, if you wanted sliced bread, you had to slice it yourself. Until two entrepreneurs in Chillicothe, Missouri, changed history. The sale of sliced bread just grew exponentially and and the bakers were really knocking down his door wanting it. The birth of sliced bread on the latest episode of the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. Check it out.